I feel the same way. Like yeah. for me, I, when I graduated college, like I just wanted to make videos. Like that's what yeah. I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't, I don't really care where I make videos. <laughs> I just want to make some videos. Yeah. And I landed in Blade HQ and I'm like, cool, nice. All right, let's, let's figure this out. <laughs> Yo, what is good, YouTubes? We have got Ben Peterson on the podcast tonight. Mr. What is up, guys, himself is on. How's it going, dude? Cheers, dude. Ray, I, thank you. I'm, I'm so glad. Thanks for having me, man. This is awesome. When, when you hit me up, I was like, of course I will do a podcast with you. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so I just want to give people a little bit of a backstory of how you and I started interacting. I have been really in love with Instagram's Reels feature, right? It's kind of like the TikTok of Instagram. I am on TikTok. They, you know, copyright, uh, not copyright. They do uh, guideline strikes on a lot of my content because knife stuff on there like doesn't fly that much. So Mm -hmm. like maybe one out of three videos that I post, which will be like a quick breakdown of a knife will get like through. So when Reels came out, I started doing these like funny sketches. And um I don't see a lot of knife people doing that. You know, I'm kind of a silly guy. I love comedy. I love doing these things. And I posted uh, a little sketch about, you know, how everyone feels, how they miss you being on knife banter. And I put the banter in it and you reposted it. That's actually my biggest reels like to date. So I was like, oh, yes. (laughs) And um, a lot of people uh, would make suggestions in my comment section about who they want to have on the podcast. Right. And, and you've always come up, man. And I'm like, look, you guys don't know. That's not how it works. I can't just go and ask these people, you know, like to be on, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I've been in Knife YouTube for about three years. But I'm not, I, I've, I've not seen like nearly as much success as like Shabazz and all these guys. But I've had those guys on the show too, you know? So I'm really glad that you're on here, man. Dude, I, I have to tell you, Ray. So I, I studied film in school. Yeah. And uh, you you have this certain flair about your just your your video reels. Yeah. That just like warms my little film heart because it's <laughs> like it's like it has all the elements of like this really fun story yeah. built into like this 15 second reel or whatever. I love it, man. You do it. You did an awesome job. I when I when I started watching your stuff, I was like, this guy has flair. And I was like, I'm in. <laughs> Thank I'm in. you, I love man. It. You know, I, I think the, the reason why um, night people get excited about it is no one is putting themselves out there like that. I don't know yeah. if there's like kind of a machismo that comes with the EDC hobby a little bit, but I'm like super self-deprecating. You know, like I said, I, most of the time I'm, I'm consuming comedians content on YouTube. I watch a lot of Joe Rogan, a lot of the other comedy podcasts um, just so I can get better at doing this. You know, totally. and all this sketch comedy is going on in every other niche on YouTube, on TikTok, on Twitter, except like the EDC community. Like people are starting to do it where like they're willing to do these funny things a little more. And that's kind of like part of the magic that Knife Banter had. You know, I, all day today I was watching, rewatching a lot of the older episodes that you were on. Oh, I'm I, so sorry. Man, <laughs> no, dude, you know what? Like you're really good at it. 
So you, you said you. that you Thank studied you. film, right? Yeah. Um, uh, what made you decide to do that? Because uh, my fiance actually like graduated with a degree in acting, like in college. Yeah. Like, is that what you were pursuing? No, not at all. So um, I actually, in high school, I, I remember it, it was one of those moments where I was like, this is what I want to do. I, it was like a campaign election video. Mm-hmm. And one of the kids was running and um, he had a friend that made like this Mario video. And this is like, <laughs> like early aughts, like probably 2002. He made this Mario video and he, he had like done some jump cuts where he like came out of the school garbage mm-hmm. cans and stuff. And I was <laughs> That's like, great. It blew my mind like a student could make that because I'd, I'd kind of been playing around with like just the, the family camera and they were like nonlinear editing on computers was just coming out. And so I was like, film. I love it. And so I actually got into it kind of more the documentary route. I, I studied, mm-hmm. so I majored in broadcast journalism and minored in film. And so I, yeah, I kind of got into the storytelling side through broadcast, but also through film. And uh, yeah, so I never wanted to be on camera. Like I, I had zero <laughs> desire to ever be on camera. I hated it. I, I loved running the camera and kind of telling other people's stories. And, but the interesting thing about video is you hang around it long enough and somebody's going to be like, Hey, we need somebody. And you're like, okay. <laughs> you know? That's kind of what happened to me. Like at, at Blade HQ and even in school, I had to do um, standups. There's this really great uh, uh, news reporter reel of me out there. That's oh, just really, <laughs> really, really, really bad but I had to do it. It was part of the class. And so you kind of get a feel for it. And then eventually somebody's like, Hey, we need somebody on camera. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I'll do it. And here we are eight years later. You know? Were you ever in like plays or anything like that? I was in like one play in eighth grade and wow. I, I can't act. Like if you give me a script and you're like, Hey Ben, read this. I'll be like, I got nothing. Yeah. I think but I'm if you not wanna... great at that also. I'm better at the improv <laughs> yeah. stuff kind of. Yeah. Like if you want to sit here and like, chat and banter back and forth like i can i can make up weird odd stuff all over the place and it's self-deprecating it's like i'm goofy i I totally am i think the more real you are on camera especially on a podcast that's what i love about podcasting is like you can't fake an hour long conversation you just can't do it um and some of the best podcasts i've done uh for this channel is like not even, oh, well, I mean, the big names, of course, right? Like, like, like the Shabazz one, like I, I was freaking out when that happened. He, he messaged me and he was like, oh, hey, I listened to your uh, podcast with Alex's Knife Box and I love dance music too. And, and that's how we started talking. Hey, wait, 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 can you, can you do that? Can you do that? Was that a Shabazz like, Oh my God. You know what I mean? Like, that's what he does. You know, so he was listening to my podcast and I've told this story before. Um, he messaged me that he listened to one of my episodes with Alex's knife box. Uh, shout out to Alex's knife box. A lot of good knives on that channel. And he was like, Hey, I love trance music and progressive dance music. Like, I love it. You know, it's like re- it, this repetitive nature of it, like kind of gets you into this zone. Right. And then I was like, yeah, well, that's great that you listen to it. Would you ever want to do mine? And then he was like, do you have, uh, are you ready in 45 minutes? And like I, you know, I mean, I've said this so many times, my audience is probably tired of this, but like I dropped everything. Like dinner was just made. My girl just made dinner. And I was like, bro, Nick Shabazz, I got a sorry. <laughs> but, and, and she even knew who he was. And she was like, okay, I get it. Like you've been, you know, this is someone that, uh, you know, is going to like, you know, like bring the channel to, 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 um, 
bigger heights or whatever. But yeah, man. Uh, so, you know, watching Knife Banter, I can clearly see the acting chops or rather like, tell us a little bit about what you did uh, with your documentary work. Were you just the guy to doing the cinematography, doing B-roll and things like yeah. that? Man. Yeah, so I, I did a couple of, um, there were student projects, but they were pretty intense student projects. I, I did one in Mexico um, about wow. the, the university that I, I went to was, they did like a service program. So I went down with them and kind of documented the whole thing. And then I also did a documentary on a group of people um, called the Garifuna. They're mm -hmm. from Central America. And um, I, I was a, a Latter-day Saint missionary in New Orleans. And so I got to know a bunch of them. And um, so after my mission, this was probably 2008, nine, I was like, I want to, I want to do a documentary project. And I know all these people in New Orleans and they got friends in LA and they got friends in New York and they got friends in Honduras. And, and I was like, what if I did my documentary project on these people who have been through like this diaspora and like their culture spreading around. And so <clears throat> I actually traveled to Honduras. I traveled to LA. New Orleans, uh, filming this, this documentary. It took me two years. It, it took me a year wow. after graduation to finish the thing. It was one of those projects where you're just like, I would love to just quit doing this, <laughs> but you're like, man, I've interviewed 30 people. I've been like all over the world for this. Like I got to put it out. So 17 minute documentary took me two years, but is, it, uh, is there uh, any way to watch that at all? Yeah. Yeah. You can look it up on Ooh. YouTube. It's called a story about the Garifuna. Garifuna. Um, and you, yeah, Garifuna. That's G-A-R-I-F-U-N-A. -A. Garifuna. Okay, cool. Everyone yeah. check that out, man. So that's like your work. You did yeah. the B-roll. You shot everything. Did you interview people or like, what was it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I, I interviewed, so I speak Spanish. So I interviewed people in English. I interviewed them nice. in Spanish. Um, and then I transcribed every single interview in English and Spanish, um, edited the whole thing. The only things I didn't do, I, I hired an artist to do some of the graphics, um, graphic art at the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I had a guy do the voiceover. He was actually from the knife community. Um, his name was Red Gladius. He used to do YouTube <laughs> and he had this silky smooth voice. And I was, I was in the knife community already. And I was like, dude, could you voice my documentary for <laughs> Did me? Did you narrate this? <laughs> yes. And he's like, absolutely. And I was like, score. But yeah, oh, I, I did everything else. And then I, I actually, I found a really talented guy to do the sound design too. Um, so I had some really crummy audio that I shot and he was able to go in and clean it up for me. So student project, but it turned out okay. Like it was, yeah. it was one of those projects that you look back on and you're like, never again, but also <laughs> I'm glad I did. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, no, I totally get that, man. I mean, this channel is like a passion project. You know, um, a lot of the guys that I started with are like so much bigger than my channel right now. But I feel like I finally hit my stride when I started doing these podcasts, which no one was really doing on YouTube at the time. You know I mean? Yeah. Week after week, I just kept getting guest after guest. I never missed a week. Sometimes I do two in a week. I'm thinking about now if I should do like more because I have so many backed up now. Um, but yeah, you know, speaking about uh, the motion graphics work, I always shout out my homie Backpack B. He's like an Emmy award winning motion graphics guy that does like EDC and knife reviews, like some nice. of the best like edited work I've ever seen. Um, and I want to go back to knife banter a little bit. Who did the cinematography in there? Because I watched the episode um, where you guys like buried the spider co like salts yeah. and like 
yeah. who did the uh the cinematography there who did who did the editing i wanted to know a little bit more about that yeah <clears throat> so when we started it was it was three of us it was austin gets jamie gregor and me um so austin and i were on camera and jamie did all of the shooting and editing mm-hmm. and then about a year into it ish austin left uh we hired an editor named matthew and then zach came on Mm-hmm. And so um, between Jamie and Matthew, they shot and edited every knife banter there was. Yeah. Jamie did most of the shooting. Uh, Matthew did most of the editing. Uh, but it was, it was a really, really talented team. I, we, we hired Jamie from Minnesota. He was just like random, threw his resume in the hat. And I was like, this guy seems cool. <laughs> and, uh, and he like knife banter, a lot of what it is is because of Jamie. Like yeah. he, he has been there since day one, helping with the format, making it everything it is. Um, and he's extremely talented, like crazy talented. Mm-hmm. So it was really fun to like work with these really, really talented people. And Matthew too, like Matthew's editing, Matthew Mel- Melanson. He, uh, so like the goofiness that was in Knife Banter, like there was some goofy stuff. Sometimes yeah. I'd be like, Matthew, I'm a goofy dude, but we got to tone that back because <laughs> he just like, he'd go full bore and I'd be like, yeah. whoa, that was weird. And yeah. so we'd, we'd tone things back, but he, he brought a flair to it that was really, really fun. In fact, Matthew's resume, he had like a, like a, his picture was like this and it was like a David Bowie impression. Like that was his <laughs> picture on his resume. And That's I was cool. like, I like this guy. So we hired him. It was really fun. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I, I follow a lot of these big vloggers, cinematographers like, you know, Peter McKinnon, who like you've had yeah. interactions with, right? Yeah, and, um, it's awesome. I remember the first time uh, I saw him like flip open a Spyderco doing the Spidey flick on a video. And I was like, what? Like my mind was blown because when I wanted to get into knife YouTubing, right? I was like, okay, I'm just getting into the, into the hobby now. This is like three years ago. I didn't know anything about it. I studied martial arts. I'm Filipino. I know what a balisong is. I, I, I can't have it in New York City. Uh, first of all, I'm from New York City. So yeah. it's very restricted here. And I was like, okay, it's either, like, I know I can be funny on camera. And I was like, I need to learn cinematography. And that's going to be my way in into this niche, right? And that's kind of like been the whole thing. So I followed guys like Peter McKinnon and all these guys like, um, and I noticed in Knife Banter, a lot of that kind of stuff was going on. I really like the uh, injection of meme culture into it. Uh, did you guys ever get copyright strikes? You would use like Star Wars. You, know, you would use like yeah. some music, like the beginning of a Nelly song. Like and I'm like, yo, aren't these guys worried about like YouTubing, YouTube like saying something? Yeah, um, we had some major discussions about that, and <laughs> and we never, we never. Okay, I take that back. We got. St- a strike on Careless Whisper uh, by George Michael. We got hit for that. Oh, totally worth it. (laughs) That is so funny that you think we literally had maybe like two measures of the song in there, like just the sax, right? And we got, we got a strike for that, but that's um, hilarious because yeah, go ahead. Well, our, our thought was always, it's like, it's close to fair use, right? So mm-hmm. it's like a fair second use. or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair use parody. I mean, if somebody wanted to to um, flag it or whatever, they'd get flagged for mm-hmm. sure. 
Yeah. But at the same time, we, we kind of figured like, this is a calculated risk and gosh, man, Jamie and Matthew were both like these meme Lords. They were just so good at it. <laughs> they were very like, they'd, good. they'd throw stuff in there and I'd be like, I don't, I don't know what this means. Cause I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not much of like a, a hardcore, like <laughs> internet culture guy. Yeah. They'd throw stuff in and then the comments would light up and I'd be like, cool, mm-hmm. do more yep. of that. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. It was really I- fun to watch them. I think that was a very uh, smart and uh, strategic move. Maybe they were just having fun with it because that's, uh, I actually started to get into the knife hobby when knife banter started. I think that's why, like, I have this weird thing with you because I've had some pretty big names on the show. And like today was the first time where I was like, I better fucking watch the knife banter episodes and like, see what to talk about. You know what I mean? Because I kind of got a little bit of nerves and that's never happened before. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but yeah, that was a very smart move because I think the world started to move into that direction. Meme culture, people were getting online more. And, you know, that's why I, I, I try to put co- knife content on every platform because the new generation, and I'm starting to see it more now, is going to expect these highly cinematic, very well edited videos and there are a lot of there are a lot of dudes doing that right now too um, in the knife community. Uh, I think I think the younger generation is going to need that, uh, want that more. Um, tell yeah. us a little bit about the banter, right? I know you probably t- first of all, how many podcasts have you been on that you've talked about this on? Like, how many have you done so far? Um, probably probably only like four. Like, not a okay. Um, all right. Like, and I love talking about it, man. It's, yeah, it's just it's super fun. Let me let me pull one out. Here. <laughs> I, uh, this is this, there's only two of these out there, but yeah, this is kind of a special, kind of a special one. Can you, can you see that? Yeah. Oh, there's cats on it. Yeah. It's a space kitty. Uh, So yeah, it's got a space shuttle and a a kitty and a galaxy on on one side. And then it's a, it's a moonwalk on the other side. That's awesome. With a a space kitty. Anyway. I love doing stuff like that. Like it's just, it's a free for all. So Amplify yeah. EDC did that for me. And I'm just like, I love mm-hmm. it. Cause it's so goofy. Um, so, so the banter is like, it's kind of what I was looking for in a knife, mm-hmm. but never quite found. And mm-hmm. so, in fact, somebody asked me yesterday on Instagram, they're like, is the banter your perfect knife? And it's close. There are a few things I'd change, but it's close. And I, I love the fact that I could, go and like take all these ideas. I mean, I, I, I was thinking about it the other day. I have probably in my lifetime handled five or 6,000 knives, just like different models and variations and colors. Like before I, before we even started knife banter, I had done like over 800 YouTube videos mm-hmm. um, on for CRKT and mm-hmm. for Blade HQ. And so when Knife Banter came around, I'd already done all of those 800 videos. And then we did another 150 that were just like handling knives over and over and over and carrying a lot of them too. And you get to this point where you're like, that knife's cool, but I can tell you three things that are wrong with it. And here's why. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was also like sitting at computers and watching the sales data every single day. So it's like, yeah. I always hear like these sports junkies and they're like, yeah, th- this guy's batting average is this. And and he scored 20 free throws and that's a better than <laughs> this guy. I'm like, I know nothing about sports, <laughs> but 
think about how people know sports. That's the way I know pocket knives in that I've sat there and looked at the stats on every single knife for years. And so when it came time to be able to design a knife, I'm like, well, I know I like this, this, and this. I also know that this, this, and this sells. So boom, there's the banter. So kind of the confluence of those two ideas. Yeah, you know, with the banter, um, I actually didn't buy this one. Uh, a homie of mine uh, gave it to me, Mild Mattered EDC, shout out to him. And I'm in New York City, okay? So like, I gotta be in fear like all the time. Like if I get frisked on the subway, you know, I could have a Leatherman on me and it's really up to the officers to decide if I'm gonna get like detained, they're gonna take it away, am I gonna get a summons? It's like, it's such a gray area. And um, so when it comes to knife collecting, I'm strictly an action ergonomics and aesthetics guy, right? I don't necessarily use my knives all the time, except for cutting cardboard or something like that, or like making a knife review, like pretty much that's it. So I'm literally just doing this like all day. That's my fidgeter. Yes. Yes. It's become more of like pocket jewelry or like a fidget tool, you know, Or, or, or I, you know what it is? I am more of like my main hobby is probably creating content on all the various platforms. It just so happens that the subject matter is EDC. You know what I'm saying? That that is a funny, funny concept because I feel the same way. Like for me, I, when I graduated college, like I just wanted to make videos. Like that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't, I don't really care where I make videos. (laughs) I just want to make some videos. Yeah. And I landed in Blade HQ and I'm like, cool, nice. All right, let's, let's figure this out. <laughs> and here I am like nine years later going like, cool, nice, you know? And, but I love the fact that it's such a passionate community that you can make a video about the salt series or whatever. Mm-hmm. And people are going to be interested in it and be super stoked about it. So like, yeah, I, I think that, uh, I always say like knives are the medium, but like goodness is the message, you know? And it's like, I love the fact that it's such a welcoming community to content about the products. I think it's super fun. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that it's keeping me here is that um, I was in the nightlife scene, you know, I was DJing and doing all these festivals and stuff. Like, like I was, you know, making decent money, but um it was very backstabbing that community, you know? So like I, I, I stumble into this knife hobby by accident. I was looking for a bag and I saw prepared mind one one review, like a tactical bag. And I was like, Oh shit, I could put wires in because I'm more of a tech guy. I could put my wires in there and my battery pack and there's all these pockets. And then I started to see like, um, like some bench made reviews and stuff like that. And then I started to like meet people. Um, And around the time that I got into the hobby, like my pops had just died. Right. And I had people who would like uh, after my first couple of YouTube videos, I've met some friends on Instagram and they were like, hey, man, you didn't put out a video this week. Are you doing good? Are you okay?" And I was like, I didn't I've never even met these people, you know, And, and I always tell people like, you know, the EDC community like doesn't even need GoFundMe when somebody when one of us that we know is like hurting, they get into an accident. They don't have insurance. They want to get an operation or something, right? Like people pool in money. Like a friend that you know loses his beloved knife and like we get in Instagram chat groups like, hey man, I got 10 on it. We're going to buy it for him again. I've never really seen that happen anywhere else, man. That's really what's keeping me here. There's so much positivity in it. There really is. And it's, it's so interesting too because 
I, I've seen that for years. I mean, that, I think that's something that has been generations of knife makers, knife buyers. Like you, it, I think it kind of comes down from the custom market. So for years, I mean, into like the 60s. So you, you talk about um, A.G. Russell kind of started crafting all these people and getting all these custom knife makers together for his catalog. Um, but they would start mentoring each other. And so you have like this really long line of mentorship. So like take Lucas Burnley, for instance, he was mentored by Bob Tersola in New Mexico. And Lucas was also mentored by Tom Crine, who was Tom Crine was mentored by Bob Dozier. And so like, if you were to take the entire knife industry and start like connecting the dots of who has mentored who, as far as like custom makers go, there's this entire like family tree of where things come from and where they, where they started. But I also think if you were to do the same thing with the content consumers, the people that are just kind of either buying the knives involved in the community, I also think there are similar connections of like, oh, this person. So like, I have a connection with Gavco from years ago. Mm -hmm. We got in an argument, like a hardcore, like internet <laughs> troll argument in the comments, <laughs> like bang your fists on yeah. the keyboard argument. And and uh, when I met him, it was like, we were, we were like brothers. I'm like, dude, yeah. like, bring it in, bro. And, <laughs> and, and that's the sort of thing. I, I think you're going to find that very similarly within the community. Mm -hmm. People usually have connected with somebody who means a lot to them. And I don't think you find that in a lot of communities. The knife industry is really unique in that regard. Yeah, I totally agree with that, man. <laughs> I always talk about, um, you know, like the classes of you, because like I really the show has really highlighted um, and humanized a lot of the YouTube knife creators, right? I, the knife YouTube creators. And, um, you know, like everyone comes from a certain class, right? Like I, I, I came up with a class of like Zach stuff, JT's Knife Life, Stasa 23, Nick Shabazz, Love Them Knives. These are the people that at the time when I started weren't like the monsters of YouTube they are now. I think Nick was like under 20,000 subs at that time. And, um, you know, it, it, it's those people are like the people like I'm kind of close with, you know what I mean? Um, uh, I was going to ask you about, uh, do you plan on making like more content, like for your new up and coming projects? I saw you shooting some stuff in Crocs and then, <laughs> and then yes. the next day, like you were shooting in boots, right? Yes. Uh, what was it? Can you talk about that? Like what was going on yeah. there? Yeah, definitely. I, so I'm working on a Kickstarter. I should have it live. Probably I'm hoping for like November 1st. So like right before the election, just like chaos, it'll mm -hmm. be, it'll be great fun. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a pretty small product. It's, it's kind of like, I'm not going to give it away. Yeah. yeah, but, you don't have uh, to, but, yeah. but uh, I, I've wanted to try a Kickstarter for a long time just because mm -hmm. like I have the video skills I can write. I, I know how to, like assemble all this content and Kickstarter to me is kind of like this low, not low effort, but like single time effort to create a really solid piece of content. Mm -hmm. So like <clears throat> people have asked me, are you, are you ever going to start a YouTube channel? And I'm like, you know, I know what it takes to be successful on YouTube and it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. and I just don't have a ton of either at the yeah. moment but I look at Kickstarter right now and I'm like cool 
I got enough time to like put a campaign together mm-hmm. and like chuck it out there and see what happens. Um, you know, the, the thing <laughs> is with that though, right? When it comes to, you, you know, that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask actually, but the whiskey was like getting in the way of my brain <laughs> um, <laughs> is like, you would be really awesome at creating content, like even on a weekly basis on YouTube and you already have so many beloved fans that would tune in. Like people are, I mean, you know, like you sharing that reels that I made, I got so many fans from that. But these are people that I didn't, I didn't even know. And they were like, wow, yeah, everyone misses Ben. Dude, I have people on my TikTok. I reposted that video that say like, oh man, I miss Ben too. And you know what I mean? Like, that's totally. the thing. It's like people are already into you and you're already so good in front of a camera. I think you could do, I don't know, like you could document versus creating a piece of content and just like show your personality doing something. And I think you would be yeah. really good at that. So it's, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Like uh, the hard part about it is it's hard for me to just put things out there because I know what it could be. Yeah. And, and it's hard to like, it's, it's that old saying art is never finished. It just escapes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with content, there's always like this escape period where you're just like, dang, it's just, it's just gotta go. It's just gotta, like, you just have to send it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but also if I can't hit a certain point of quality, ah, I'm like, I see, I don't feel good putting it out. And mm-hmm. I know that to get to this certain point of quality, I have to put this much time into it. Yeah, I get you. So, and so it's like this struggle. It's, it's I, like, I love photography. Mm-hmm. I hate shooting. <laughs> well, I hate meat. Let, let me rephrase that. <laughs> I love to shoot. Mm-hmm. I hate the fact that like, if I shoot in raw, I got to mm-hmm. go back and edit the photos. Mm-hmm. And if I shoot yeah. on a big camera, I got to get it off the camera onto my phone. Yeah. And even just like connecting them and pairing the phone, like it's super yeah. easy, it's... but it's that extra step. And I'm in this yeah. phase of life. Like I, I have four kids. Yeah, and, dude, I was uh, going to say, yeah. And so I'm like, even like just snapping something on my phone and writing a caption for it and getting it up on Instagram, I'm like, <laughs> look at me go, you know, <laughs> just, like, just because it's, I'm in a phase of life where it's hard. Dude, four um, kids is tough, man. My mom had four different versions of me, four boys. I'm the youngest so and I was a wild mother. kid. And <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? So we, you know, we, we came here in 87. My mom came earlier and like, I can only imagine how much you had to deal with knowing like I'm an adult now, I'm like almost 40 and like she must've went through a lot. So, and you've got four of your own, man. I, I, I was watching a podcast that you were on, on YouTube, forgot what it was called, but you were like, do you see the circles underneath my eyes? They don't go away. <laughs> yeah, man. It's you know? so true. And it, I love it. Like it's, it's total, like, it's a choice. Like having kids for me was, and my wife was a total choice. Like we're like, Hey, let's, let's have kids. Let's have a family. But when you choose that, you also choose being really busy and managing your time really carefully. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't, I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't watch a lot of like, I've watched like one TV series in my life. Watch a lot of kids. So kids shows though, probably. You know what? I can tell you a lot about Paw Patrol. I definitely can. <laughs> Dude, they were trying to cancel that because it was like a police thing. Like that was a big thing on Twitter. Like cancel Paw Patrol because like, you know, they're trying to do this funky, like defund the police stuff right now. And uh, they yeah, were trying yeah, to, yeah. I was like, why are you going after these puppies, man? No. Like, you, know you can't I mean? cancel Paw Patrol. That's man. What it's, I'm like, saying. it's like the highest 
I think it is like Nickelodeon's highest grossing series like of all time or something it's crazy because kids yeah. just like love it and the all the accessories they make billions of dollars off that stuff yeah so anyway. i was like yeah how are you gonna cancel paw patrol <laughs> but yeah i mean same thing uh with me when i was taking care of my niece i watched like elmo's world with her all the time and i'm like the entire world is drawn in crayon except elmo <laughs> like i came to the realization one day i was so tired i'm like oh that's crazy <laughs> yes. you know Let's get to some questions, man. Um, Let's do it. I've got a bunch here. Let me just load them up right now. So we're going to start with the Instagram questions first. All right. Favorite color of Crocs? And when are we going to get na- NAFS patch? You know, the NAFS, NAFS. Uh, that's, from yeah, Z- yeah. that's from Zach stuff. Dude, I love Zach. Um, yeah. All right. Color of Crocs. I, I went with gray because... <laughs> I'm I'm not very confident about my Crocs wearing yet. I just gotta say it. <laughs> I'm like if I if I buy the gray ones, maybe people won't notice that I'm wearing Crocs. <laughs> I mean, like, um, what's the deal with the Crocs anyway? Is it because you have kids so, who get messy all the time? Like, what is it? No, so so like they kind of have a bad rap because they're hideous. Like they're ugly <laughs> shoes. Yeah, like dude. straight up ugly, right? <laughs> so they they kind of have this bad rap, but um, I love them and so i bought them because i do i do a little bit of backpacking mm-hmm. last summer i was i was backpacking and we had to cross the stream a couple times yeah. and i was just wearing flip-flops and they were trying to fall off in the stream and i'm like nah nah we got to change yeah. this so i was like crocs yeah and so but i bought a pair don't you wear like hiking boots or something like yeah but if you so if you're gonna cross a stream mm-hmm. i usually take my boots off yeah, and either go barefoot or just wear flip flops mm-hmm. because uh, if you get your you, you got to protect your feet right. So mm-hmm. if you get your shoes wet, you're going to develop blisters because your socks are going to rub different. And yeah. so whenever we're doing like a knee deep stream crossing, I'll take my shoes off, throw them around my neck, and throw flip flops on. But uh, yeah, these these couple of rivers we crossed were a little bit more swift, and I was worried I was mm-hmm. going to lose my my shoes. So I'm like Crocs with a little little flipper back thing i'm like that's the solution man that's hilarious man Um, they're great i love them when are we gonna get uh a a nafs patch i need to make one i I need to make one i'll put it on my backpack man i mean i have uh i I have that 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 uh, tactical bag that prepared mind 101 like in that youtube video that i found i still have it and I am waiting for a knife person in New York City to see my Benchmade patch, my React knives patch, like, all, you know, Blade Banner, Daily Carry Solutions, uh, you know, NAFs. I'll put that on there. And I'm okay, waiting for okay. somebody on the train to just be like, what's up, bro? Like, and he's like, one, two. It hasn't happened yet. I've been wearing it for years. It hasn't okay. happened. I, I got I to gotta make one. It's, it's <laughs> on my list. Mm-hmm. It's on my list. Yeah, I'll do it. All right. Let's see. Um okay so i'm gonna shout out wayne sharp world here uh good channel what's the most important element of building a brand in the knife edc community did you even think about that or did you just kind of like just go with what you already had built up from knife banter and blade hq uh for me personally like for my brand and nafs 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 um i i think the the big thing for me is like, be strategic about it. Like you have to answer the question, like, why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, 
I look at there's there's a big trend right now, kind of this moody photography, kind of the Peter McKinnon style, mm-hmm. like yeah, really crushed blacks and yep. desaturated. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. It's 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 really beautiful, but um, mm-hmm. if that's your style, why is that your style? Yeah. If your style is comedy and goofy, well, why is that your style? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think building a brand, whatever it is, whether you're CRKT or Benchmade or whatever, you got to think about like why does your brand exist. And how do I talk to people? Um, for me personally, Ben Banters was kind of like, I, I kind of, I got tired of like the corporate side of Blade HQ, like not being able to say whatever I wanted mm-hmm. um, because it's a business, right? Yeah. And I was like, I just want to say some things occasionally, you know, like I want to just throw some feelings into it versus just like, hey, this is a knife, you should buy it. And so that's kind of where this Ben Banter's account came from was I just, I felt like I had things to say that I couldn't say via a corporate account. Mm -hmm. And then same sort of thing with NAFs. Like I had things that I wanted to make that I couldn't make via Blade HQ just because it was outside of their scope of work. Right. And I, I don't blame them for that, but I wanted to create in a way that I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, that's part of my motivation is just like having this, this voice, having this product voice where I can do whatever the heck I want. Like yeah. I had somebody ask for a shout out the other day and I'm like, I don't really do shout outs because I don't want to be beholden to anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if yeah. People send me stuff. I'm like, Hey, I really appreciate it. But, um, I, if you're sending me something like it's not a quid pro quo, you can't like demand that I put yeah. it on Instagram. Right. Like, right. This is not a for sell channel for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm just, I get to say whatever the heck I want. And I love that yeah. part of it. So that's, that's kind of my motivation. So like when somebody's starting a new brand, you got to think about why are you doing it? What's your purpose? What are your goals? And how do you talk to people? That's hilarious. Cause I'm always joking about like the for sale thing that you were talking about. And I'm always joking that like, Hey man, if Benchmade wants to fly me out to like blade show, I will get in a bikini and pass out mini grips with next to swags, like anytime, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And people are always laughing about that. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, to, to go back on, on knife banter. I wanted to know if like, if it was scripted. No, it never was. Um, oh, that's awesome. It's so natural. There, there were a couple times where we had to get to a certain like mm-hmm. point. Because yeah. um, like we were either going to play a joke or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, so there were times when it was like, you must hit this mark. Yeah. But it was never scripted. It was, uh, that's it was probably why it sort was of so mess. good, man. You know, it kind of felt like I didn't know it at the time because I wasn't listening to podcasts then, but it kind of felt like that. Like it was a natural show of just two people, knife people talking about knives. And uh, I think that's what people really like about podcasts. Now I, I predict that in a, in like five years, all these like little knife podcasts will pop up. You know what I mean? And I would have been doing it already. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's a ton though. And they, they keep getting better and better. Yeah. It's, it's really cool to see. I, I think there's a lot, like the Knife Junkie is absolutely amazing. And like, I've done his show. Um, he's going to be on mine next week. But I think there isn't a lot of emphasis on doing it through video yet. I've always wanted it to be through video. I would love to have, I actually have mics. I have a setup for more than, you know, two nice. people. But no, there's no knife people in New York City, and just dude, yeah, there I, is. You got it. There, there is. Yeah, there is. But like, 
once okay, I two, started two to get to know Yeah, yeah. Let me know. You got you gotta you gotta connect with Mario. Yeah. Stick to drum. That's his that's his name. Uh, yeah. And uh and his friend Manny. They're in yeah. New York City. And he's in like they were doing yeah. They were doing podcasting in the knife community like six years ago. What is their way before their time? Like what is it Gosh, called? Like? Um so Mario, I don't even know what it's called, and they're not doing it actively mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. but um they're like straight in in new in new york city and they've been yeah. around the community for years they go Dude, to blaze every year to talk to them um, it, it, i, I think let's yeah. connect after this because sure, they're sure, awesome man yeah and, and you know what i was gonna say was like just when i was starting to get to know some people that would be potential guests like all this covid stuff happened and new york city is like the hotbed you know what i mean so like people are still freaking out like right now um, when it first started, I didn't leave my apartment for three months except to throw out the garbage. Yeah, I just had food delivered. And now I, I'm basically a walking vaccine and I just go to work six days a week. I wear the mask and stuff and I hate it, but I have to. But, you know, that's just where I'm at with it now. But there are still some people that I, you know, are, are following me on Twitter that like, oh, man, I haven't left. And I'm like, damn, man, it's crazy because you get Such everything delivered guy. here. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, Let's go into another question here. Um, let's see. Okay, so this is from uh, homie Me With Knives on YouTube. Does he still buy new knives when it's time to sharpen his knife? With a transition to we, did you have to relocate? I don't know if that's a good question, but that's what he asked. Yeah, let me, let me answer the second one first. Yeah. Um, no, so I don't work for we. I just yeah. design for them. Right, um, I understood that so, part, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's one distinction. Like a designer is not a full-time employee. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing I love about it is it's, it's a pure side hustle for me. Yeah. Um, so I, I really enjoy that aspect. So I didn't have to relocate. And then the first question was, what was it again? Uh, right. does he still buy new drinking. knives when it's time to sharpen your knife? I guess because at one point you mentioned that. Yeah. No. So I, I, I think that was more hyperbole on knife banter <laughs> when I said that. <laughs> but do you know what? Actually, I take that back. When I worked at Blade HQ, mm-hmm. we would just have samples kicking around, and mm-hmm. so it was super convenient to just be like, "Hey, this this one's dull. Like, swap it out on the shelf. Like, not on not on like the customer shelf, but like." <laughs> We just had a lot of knives kicking around. Yeah. So at the time, it was really convenient. But I actually sharpen my own. Um, I yeah. use you freehand sharpen like a like a baller, or do you have a knife uh, like a KME system or something? No. So I I mostly use WorkSharp stuff. Yeah. Um, so I've got one of their little field sharpeners at my oh, desk. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Love that thing. It's got the strop on it. So mm-hmm. like I'll be on Zoom calls and stuff, and I'll just like put nice. it on mute. I'm like sitting there sharpening. <laughs> That's awesome. But then uh, I also have their I have their belt sander, and they just came out yeah. with a new one that I yep. don't think I'm supposed to talk about yet. But they yeah. they sent one to the wow. community. It's, it's I, cool. I, I, like I it. have I have the uh, older model, and like I messed up so many knives with that. But I've also like gotten some cool work out of it. I, I'm just really yeah. bad at sharpening, even with a guided system. I'm just so terrible. You know, I'm better at creating the content for it. Like you know, you don't let me sharpen your knife. Uh, this is um, kind of a multiple uh, person question. So who's your favorite new designer? That's from Daily Carry Solutions. And then um, from Jock's Knife, which knife designer did you find most influence from when designing the banter? And what, if any, designers and makers helped him out or pointed him in directions whilst designing it? Yeah, good question. Yeah. Um, 
Let me answer the second question first again. Sure. Um, one of the guys that I sent it to um, is Epic Snuggle Bunny, Austin. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So he, he was here local in Utah for a lot of years. And he actually moved to Arizona, I think, last year, year before. Mm -hmm. But um, he was kind of my brain trust on this one. I just, I sent it to him. And I was like, dude, Austin, have you seen anything like this before? Um, like, cause you see so many knives, you're like, I hope yeah. I'm not copying somebody because you start drawing lines and you're like, dang, I hope I'm not copying somebody. So I sent it to Austin. I also sent it to, um, uh, gosh, Ryan over at the James brand. Um, because I had seen one of their knives, he'd sent me a, a picture or I'd seen it in a catalog that hadn't been released. And I sent it to Ryan and I'm like, Hey, Ryan, did I copy you? <laughs> because <laughs> like, I'd, I'd seen it and then I hadn't seen it again and I was just like I hope this isn't what they made and he's like no I he's like I'd carry that and I was like sweet <laughs> yeah. that's really cool um so people that inspire me James Brand totally inspiring like I've been following them since the beginning and I'm like wow that just their aesthetic is really really cool I, I love what they're doing over there I love um what Ryan is is creating um, Lucas Burnley has been a huge friend and mentor over the years. Um, I love his squid model. Um, oh, I didn't necessarily run the design past him, mm -hmm. but, um, I've taken a lot of his kind of like sensibilities and the way he thinks about things and tried to apply them. Um, so he's been a, he's been a great friend. Jesper Voxnes has been a great friend over the years. I don't know that I, I didn't take this design to them and say, Hey, what do you think of this? Mm -hmm. But like, I had been to dinner with these guys and lunched yeah. with these guys so many times that you, you almost like start to absorb these ideas and these philosophies. Yeah. Um, when I worked at CRKT, I got to go to dinner with Ken Onion a few times and mm. you start to like absorb these thoughts. And so, um, yeah, as far as like inspiration, um, when I was drawing it, um, I was thinking about, I just received a Sabenza and that was what I was carrying that week. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't like looking at the Sabenza going like, what could make this better? But I was thinking about what makes a Sabenza good. And, and that was kind of what I was thinking about in terms of like, when I started drawing lines for that knife, what makes a knife good, but also what makes a bestseller good um, over time. And so that was kind of my, my design philosophy there. And it's cool because I got to work with, like I got to film with Chris Reeve uh, eight years ago yeah. in his shop. Um, he graciously gave me like five hours in his shop. I thought he was going to be there. He'd give me like an hour and he, we started filming. He's like, cool. How much of this do you want to see? I was like, whatever you want. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he gave me like five hours of his time on a Friday once. And I was like, wow, that's cool. So I, I kind of got to be mentored in a lot of different places. And I don't think it was ever like knife design mentorship per se, but it was like just being in it and understanding it and meeting people. And then yeah. you kind of get to go in and create this product, which I thought was, I don't know, super cool. Super yeah, fun. it's like you took influences from people that you've met, experiences that you've had, and to put it into this knife, which it's, I want to say it's like pretty much beloved overall by like everyone that I mention it to. Like, like I said, even on TikTok, we're like, oh, how is it? I really want one. And that's TikTok, bro. There's not a lot of representation uh, on that right now. Uh, I think Everyday Minimalist is probably the biggest guy on there. He's got like 174,000 followers. Um, Nothing to he, sneeze he started, at. That's awesome. He, he started on TikTok first and then went to IG and then YouTube. And he, he's uh, blowing up on YouTube too. I've had him on here. 
Um, but <laughs> let me uh, grab another question for you. Dude, was that a was that a flex? Was that a, yeah, was a, that little, a little flex? A little, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I have to sometimes. I mean, I work so hard, dude, on this podcast. Like last week and this week. What's crazy is like I forgot that I I didn't forget that I scheduled you today. I did a really crazy podcast last night for my Halloween episode. And I had, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Misheard Knife Reviews. He does like the meme. He's a minister that loves horror, right? I had another guy, Crimson Fury, who's a paranormal investigator since 2012. I had him on. And then I had uh, Tier 1 EDC and Gear Reviews, who's also a horror lover. So we all had like a horror, like podcast. We, you know, we showed what knives we carried for like maybe five minutes. And the rest was just like spooky stuff. So I had that yesterday and I had to rearrange everything because I was like, I told them Tuesday. And then you were like, hey, can you do a Tuesday? And I was like, bro, I got to, you know what I mean? I'm going to have Ben on. Dude, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, it's my <laughs> fault because I, I told, I think I told tier one that we were doing it on Monday and then the other two I told on Tuesday, but it worked out. So, but yeah, man, I, I, you know, I had to flex a little bit because I put so much time into this. Uh, this week and last week together, I probably would have done 10 podcasts. Wow. Yeah. That's I literally crazy, do man. like at least three or four a week and I just back them up and, you know, I'm getting better at it. I think it is something that the knife community needs and, and it shows, man, like I'll, I'll join a new Facebook group or I'll, or, or I'll um, comment on a, on a new person's uh, Instagram post that I just met and people will be like, Oh shit, you know, everyday city carry. I love your show. And like, I have no idea who they are. I'm like, so, you know, it's definitely doing something, but um, let's get back to the questions. We're going to do a few more here. Uh, this is from Kevin Johnson. Why do you hate lefties, Ben? That is my question. Just kidding. I have heard him explain it before, I think. Yeah. So this, this comes from the banter. Um, yeah. I didn't put a left-handed <laughs> pocket clip on it. Yeah. And <clears throat> it was something I debated and I debated it hard. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do care about lefties. In fact, the next model I'm designing has a left-hand <laughs> carry on it. Just for you guys, just for Kevin. Um, but there was, like, look at this. When you look at the line on the banter, mm-hmm. it's just like I couldn't break that line. And when you when you throw a lefty pocket clip, especially if it's deep carry, mm-hmm. you break the line and you put more screw holes in the thing. Yeah. And I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I, in fact, I think the original, one of the original drawings had a lefty insert on the front. And I was just like, I I can't do it. Like I (laughs) I have, like out of the gate, I have to have it clean. And, and so I'm sorry, Kevin, I had to do it to you. He's a hardcore like leftist man, and I don't mean politics. Like his, yes, his yes. name is Lefty EDC. Uh, he sent me a Benchmade bug out, like the first one I've ever tried, and it was like lefty only. He had like custom scales from Death Grip scales, and he was like, "I want you to know how it feels." I'm like, "Okay," <laughs> carried it in my right pocket, you know. <laughs> the knife people are funny like that, man. Uh, this is the next one here from Ohio Knife Lover lover i don't know why i said lover like uh i'm still uh it's a getting, getting rid of my accent from the philippines because you know people pronounce it differently where did what is up guys come from i, I don't oh, know man. did you always do that in night panther i don't because i'm pretty sure i watched night panther from episode one when you guys first started that was like yeah. what, like a little bit under four years ago right am i wrong on this or 
let's see, we would have started at 16, probably, probably around this, it was November of 2016. We yeah. started it. So about four so, years ago. Yeah. 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 So I definitely watched it from it's like beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the origin of what is up guys, um, it started as just what is up guys. Um, <laughs> it, it didn't have an is on it. Um, and it was a, it was a mental cue yeah. to get my brain to start making my mouth move. And so it, it was like, if I started a video, what is up guys today, we're going to be looking at whatever knife. It was just like yeah. this mental cue to mm-hmm. start the video. And so I was doing that back when I was doing reviews for blade HQ eight, seven, eight years ago. Um, on knife banter, somehow that is just started evolving and getting yeah. longer and longer. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there were some people that complained about it. Yeah. They're like, why does he do that? And yeah. we were it, like, cool, hit the gas on that. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. You like did it even harder, man. That yeah. was every YouTuber's got that though. You know, even I've got like Yeah, they do. Yeah. My girl makes fun of me all the time. Like she'll wear my hats. And then she'll get like in a video and be like, yo, what's good, YouTube? I'm like, that's not how I do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Even Peter McKinnon, he's got the what's up, right? You the, know, everyone has. What's up, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got their own thing. Um, what's your thoughts on Bigfoot? That's from Moose, uh, Moose, Moose's Goo Gear review. That's how you say it. Yeah. What's 100% your thoughts? Believer, 100% yeah. believer, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think there's so many things in this world that we don't understand completely. Dude, yeah, like the ocean. I mean, you could look like I follow so many of those pages on my Instagram. And I talked about this in the horror podcast too. I, Jaws was part of the discussion. Is it horror or is it sci-fi? Because I watched Jaws too early, man. I was like, I don't know how old I was, but I I I I I get scared like being underwater in a tub, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't even like eight probably when I saw it. And I'm just like, oh man, this is going to get me, you know? But uh, so you totally believe in it, right? It's got to be some somewhere in the woods, so, here, so many unexplored yeah. areas, you know? Gigantopithecus I, was like that ape that stood eight yeah. feet tall. It could be that and still be alive. It could be that. So so like, if you're like, do I believe in Sasquatch with like the, yeah. the feet and the, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I believe that there's a lot of things out there that we don't understand, Yeah. whether it's in space, whether it's in the ocean, like we've only explored like this much of the ocean, know, dude. you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, so I think there's a lot of unexplained out there. And I think Bigfoot's probably in that category. Yeah. And James Cameron like made some like super high tech sub to like film shots for Avatar 2, <laughs> like went deeper than anyone else. I mean, that's like, it's just crazy. Um, yes. Let's do like two more and then I'm going to let you go. Uh, let's see what we got here. Oh, do you, uh, this is from Neves Knives. Do you know who they are? <laughs> it's just like shameless plug. All right, let me keep going now. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm aware of them. Yeah. You said, yeah you, <laughs> ask him if there are any new designs on the way uh, from, from NAFS or from you, if you've got anything in the works. I think everyone is so curious about that right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've got, I've got two NAFS products. Um, one, the first batch is going to be here probably in the next week. I'm still working on packaging for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Kickstarter will launch within the next two weeks. So I got two NAFS products coming out. Um, those are more knife accessories. That's kind of what NAFS is, is more accessory products than mm-hmm. like hardcore 
like knives. In fact, I don't really want to make a knife with nafs. Um, yeah. It's just, it's an accessory brand. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have another design coming out soon-ish. Should be announced. Wow. So All right, cool. it's, uh, I, I love variations on a theme. And so it's a bit of a variation on a theme. So it should be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to think it's going to be utilitarian. Um, that's, uh, I mean, I know that's, that's me. your thing. Yeah, well, you know, that's, that's one thing about knife banter. When I started watching it, I was like, oh, you know, like I have the same sensibilities as Ben. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm from here. I'm in an office. You know what I mean? Yeah. People get freaked out if I take, a, you know, like a Swiss army knife and they're like, oh, why do you have a knife? I'm like, I got to cut what you just asked me to cut, man. That's why I have it. You know, so I definitely understood that part of it. Uh, let me take a question from Seems Logical, who's the best commenter on YouTube. He literally leaves like 30 paragraph comments on like my Those podcast. Yeah. I, I you don't, do you know who he is? I don't. Uh -uh. Yeah. Great, great dude. Uh, English major, just like well-written stuff. Let me see yes. what he's got here. Uh, okay. Let's do a funny one from him. Um, do you know what to do if you were out hiking and a mountain lion like comes across your way. I know this just happened to Kyle, which was a, a friend yeah. of Blade HQ, right? Everyone yeah. watched that. It was a crazy, crazy thing. That actual story made it to the comedians podcast that I follow. Like they talked about wow. that. And them not knowing really anything about nature, not Joe Rogan, but not, not knowing anything about nature, they would have been like, yo, why was he so afraid of it? And I'm like, dude, they will take you out like at any time. Yeah. So, so do you know what you would do in that situation, I guess, is what he's asking. Dude, so I, I watched that video like three times and I, I actually got on the phone with Kyle the day mm -hmm. it was blowing up and I'm like, dude, you're, you're a boss. Like, yeah, it's, a, it's amazing. Um, honestly, like I, I would have I had read what you're supposed to do, make yourself look big, you know, and, and kind of like get scary, you know, like because it's it's a stare down contest and Kyle nailed it. Honestly, though, like. I don't know that I would have been as calm as Kyle. And, and I, I have yet to ask Kyle this, like, how do you sit there and film this thing? Like coming to eat your lunch, you know, like, how do you sit there and do that? Like I would drop my phone and I'd be like, it's on. Let's like, we're going to yeah. grapple. Yeah. You know? <laughs> get a <the> <laughs> get a rear naked choke on the mouth. <laughs> dude, dude, did you read the story? There's a story about a guy that like choked out a cougar. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I've seen that one. And, and but like, was, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I don't know that I could choke out a cougar, but There's like, no way I could do it. <laughs> no, I, I just, I think I'd just be like, all right, it's all hands on deck. We're just going to, we're, we're going for it. Like full send it, that or I'd hightail it and run and yeah. die. Yeah. You know? Because like what they say is don't run from them. Like you got to make yourself look big. Yeah. There was those two cyclists, right. That ran into one a few years back and they were trying to make themselves bigger with the bikes it was a mountain lion that was starved though it was starving and um then the mountain star mountain, mountain lion's like cool story and like started eating one of them the other guy was like yo i'll get help and he ran away and then it killed the other guy actually and the other one that it started off on survived that. you remember that right yeah so i do I guess it depends how hungry they are i think this one was just protecting cubs but did kyle have an answer like why he filmed in my head i was no. like he wanted to document it in case like that was it that, would have that been was my fun. thought. Yeah. Yeah. You know I, I haven't saying? asked him yet. I, I want to <laughs> ask him that. Um, yeah. I don't know because I, I would have dropped my phone straight up, just dropped it and like 
I, I, there's nothing left to see here, guys. Like it's it's on, you know. Like I think it's pretty remarkable that he filmed six minutes of that thing, dude. Like, and that thing like got millions of hits on YouTube. It's insane. He could literally yeah. start like a uh, a social media career from that vi- video alone. Just pivot from it and start like just putting out whatever content he wants. Yeah, dude. Yeah. He's at like twenty. He's at like twenty eight thousand followers on Instagram yeah. now from it, which yeah. I think is it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I okay. I've taken, I, I, yeah, you're you're a social media guy. Okay. You're Kyle. You're okay. Kyle, and and this happened to you last week. You okay. now have twenty eight thousand followers on yep. Instagram. Mm-hmm. What do you post? Because you can't replicate a cougar attack, right? Like, I what do probably you would just post like maybe what's happening now, right? And I would just post like everything that I'm doing because people are just tuning in to see like what um, what I've become after that situation, I guess. You know, so I would just take okay. that moment. And just start, I mean, I do this every day for me anyway. Like this podcast, I've revealed so many things that like, I am scared because I, I, I just found out my mom like watches this and she's like, she's like, you curse too much. I'm like, mom, stop <laughs> watching my podcast. You know what I mean? And, and I, I've revealed some stuff, you know, like I was a DJ for 10 years. I've done some experimental things, you know, and like, she's going to watch an episode. You did that when you did that gig, you did that thing. And I'm like, damn. But yeah, I share a lot about my life already. I would do a lot of that, maybe documenting what I'm doing day to day, like blog stuff. You could go anywhere, man, you yeah. know? It's like I, 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 I started to follow a lot of these like social media guru types like Gary Vee and all these guys to yeah. see how I can advance in this ecosystem. And um, it, I didn't, like I said, I didn't find like, I didn't get that stride until now, till I started doing the podcast. And that's what I would do if I, Kyle, dude, just keep on living your life and just document it, bro. And like, you could make a whole totally. business out of it. Do you, do you ever think that you would do something like that? Um, you know, to backtrack on that a little bit, I know you're busy. Are you busy mostly like doing dad stuff or do you have like some side hustles like that are keeping you preoccupied right now? Yeah. I mean, NAFS is a side hustle. It's yeah. totally profitable. Um, yeah. Knife designs are, is a side hustle and I have yeah. a real job, right? So I'm doing 40 yeah. plus hours a week at a real job. Oh. And I'm, I'm involved in church. So I work with the young yeah. men at church. Mm-hmm. So I was with them tonight. Um, so I, I kind of have a lot going on. Yeah. Um, I, I think I would love to do a, like a YouTube channel that is like adventure based, especially here in Utah. Just like yeah. I, I've thought about it for years, but I, I recognize the time commitment that it takes mm-hmm. and I just, I can't, pull the trigger on it just because it's so takes a lot of time yeah it does like i I, i'm a pretty uh like you know i'm not a huge channel or anything but the amount of hours i'm sinking in is like 40 plus a week for sure Well, and even like responding to comments which is a really good way to build your audience Mm -hmm. it just takes time like you got to be on it yeah um so i don't know people have asked i I know what it takes and I, I can't commit to the time, yeah. which is a hard place to be. Do you ever think about like having somebody do it for you, like documenting what you're doing and rather you not, you know, because it works that way too. I just think you have, like, I watch these social media people from different spaces. Like I watch all of it, man. I watch the 
cringy TikTok stuff. I watch the like, you know, like fitness influencer people to see how they're doing it. Like I appreciate the hustle from all spaces. And I just think you have the chops and charisma and talent to get really Thank far you. if you want, you know, that's Thank why, you, I, you know, and, and a lot of people that yeah. don't have time like you, they have other people do it. So it's yeah. like, you're the interesting subject. And then, you know, you go do something like a hike and you just have somebody do the thing. I, I do think that it takes away a little bit from the enjoyment oh, of that, but I think that is a way to do it, you know? No, and I, I've had this, I've had this conversation. I, I had it with uh, Jonas EDC that used to work at Master Op about a year ago. And he's like, why don't you just pay somebody else to do it? And mm-hmm. so many, how do I put it? I'm kind of particular. Yeah. So like, yeah, I don't think you can just pull Joe Schmo off the street and have yeah. him create something that really like tells the story right. Yeah. Um, that's where I loved like working with Jamie and Matthew mm-hmm. is we could sit there and really put our heads together and create mm-hmm. the stories that we told at Blade HQ. It was just really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I look at that and it's like, okay, how do I, how do I mentor somebody to get them to where that content, where I, where I would feel like this content meets, it's up to snuff. It meets yeah. the level I'd want it to be. Um, and I just can't see myself doing it right now yeah. with everything else going on. It's yeah. like, and if I, if I can't do it right, it will eat at me. It will just like grind my gears. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I can't, you know? So I don't know. I think someday. It's it's, uh, yeah. it's a someday project. I, I just think that, um, you know, it's it's good to like put down roots like quickly, right? Like like for example, the podcasting thing. Um, you know, I, I saw that there was an opening for that kind of content, and I was like, let me just do it and see what happens. And I've been doing it for like less. I want to say like maybe a year or less than a year, and like five like n- stuff was happening to my channel, but not as fast as they are now. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I think it's just good to put roots down like quickly. I mean, you know, you don't want to miss the chance either. It's the only thing. It, I think the hardest thing is giving up that creative control, but you, and you need to find someone that you trust to yeah. do it that good. You know, what and I mean? you gotta, and you gotta pay them, right? Yeah, and you that's, do. That's you another do. consideration is do you, is it self-sustaining? Are yeah. you getting the ad revenue? Like, and that's, yep. that's part of what I'm doing with NAFs is like, I'm doing things I love, but they're also self-sustaining and that they yeah. make money. And so that's one thing that this... I'm not doing. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I'm making very little money. <laughs> I don't even have ad revenue, man. <laughs> like I could have yeah. it. I haven't turned totally. it on. I just do Patreon. That's pretty much it. Well, and, and that's the hard thing for me is like I I, I don't want to be like this greedy capitalist about the thing, mm-hmm. but I'm like, dude, you got four kids. You got to think a little bit about that. Well, yeah. Yeah, I do. And, and I got to think about it in terms of like, okay, if I'm sinking X amount of time into it, yeah, it's fun, but shouldn't it come back to me in some way? Mm-hmm. And so whenever I'm creating products for NAFs, I'm thinking about like, how do I create passive income with this? That's um, awesome. How do I create not just something that I enjoy and I personally want, but how do I create something that will make me money two years from now, three years from now? So like my initial goal with the NAS brand was to make a hundred dollars a month on one product. And I hit that in the first year and it's like, cool, perfect. 1200 bucks. That's enough to sink back into the next run of posters. You know, (laughs) it's like, 
and it's this flywheel but once you once you start making 1200 bucks it's like okay now i can sink that into the next project and it, it starts to kind of compound and it's like nafs is not crazy profitable but it is profitable and it's it's really fun to be able to create and i can turn it up and i can turn it down see the problem you have with a podcast is you don't put something out and people are like hey you're live over there right yeah i don't put something out and people are like eh, we'll yeah. hear from him when we hear from him yeah which is both good and bad right <laughs> But that's kind of my philosophy on it. I need more of that kind of thinking because like the way that I think is like I'm putting in all this work now and um, I know that eventually when I put in the work, like some big thing, not big thing, but like small little big things will happen. And then um, maybe I'll, you know, um, come across some company entity that is going to be interested in my work. Like, oh man, he's doing something completely different than all these other night people, you know, and he has somewhat of a personality. It's kind of different. And then they would have seen this body of work already. Like, holy crap, yeah. this guy's been putting out podcasts for like five years, you know? I mean, I'm good. Yeah. I always tell my girl, I'm like, dude, you better freeze your eggs, man, because this is like a 10 year plan, bro. Like, you know, she's 36. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, maybe when I'm like Joe Rogan is seeing like way more success now in the podcast, and he's like 53. He's like, he didn't start seeing anything crazy happen until 2017. And he's been doing it for like over a decade. So it's kind of like, crazy. yeah, I mean, it, you know, and, and I, so I'm like, all right, um, the knife community is catching up with all the other trends, like cinematography, photography, uh, podcasting and all that. So I think like it's going to be maybe 10 years or something to like something really huge happens with this. And I, I mean, you know, I'm not that old, but, and, and I love doing it. So I, I think that's, that's where I'm at. That's the thing though, is it's, it's like the overnight success that took 10 yeah. years. Like that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> somebody asked me like, how long did it take to design the banter? I was like, well, it took me a week and a half to draw it up and, and do the line drawings and send mm -hmm. it off to we, but like the reality is it was eight years of creating connections and yeah. understanding things. And it's, it's the whole, uh, I don't know if you've ever read Outliers by... Um, mm. I have to read uh, that book. I've heard it mentioned so many times. Yeah. Gosh, I can see his, I can see his face, but um, gosh, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's this idea of like you put 10,000 hours into a thing. Yes. And once, you've, yes. once you've sunk that into it, Malcolm Gladwell, once you've yeah. sunk that into it, you, um, you become an expert at that thing. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I sunk not only 10,000 hours into knives, mm -hmm. but I sunk 10,000 hours into video and I sunk yep. 10,000 hours into e-commerce mm -hmm. and brand building and Instagram and all of these different things. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like in this spot where I can take all of these 10,000 hours that I put in and start to kind of create my own little snowball of yeah. stuff, you know, and it's, it's cool because I don't know. I, I think some people would say like, oh, you just stole the audience from Blade HQ. And it's like, well, no, like, I don't think so. I, it was, it was a ton of work. I mean, it was nights and weekends and yeah. it was early mornings and trade mm -hmm. shows. And it's like, you know, I put a lot more into it than 40 hours every single um, week. What, so, you know, yeah. can you, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Like what sure. was your uh, driving decision to, to leave eventually? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I've been in the first like 10 years of my career and I've worked at, I worked at Blade HQ right out of college. I worked at CRKT and then I got recruited back to Blade HQ. So I've worked at three places, usually on a two to two and a half to three year stint. Um, I'm a firm believer in early career hopping. So 
move up or move out in two to three years. So if you're not learning and continuing to learn after the two year mark, you need to start looking around and saying like, is this going to challenge me professionally? Is it going to really make me stretch? And so after about two and a half years, I was at Blade HQ for three and a half years on the second round. After about two and a half years, I started realizing like there's nowhere to move up. I mean, if I were to stay on for four or five years, yeah, maybe it would grow and there'd be somewhere to move up. But I realized that my personal progress was starting to flatline. And that to me is like, it flatlines and it death spirals, right? Yeah. Because you, you hit this point where it's not fun anymore. You've done everything you want to do. And the things that you want to do are outside of your scope of work because somebody has to keep shoveling coal into the engine to keep it yeah. moving forward. And if you're the marketing manager of the department, like you've got to make sure that the coal's getting shoveled. Like that's yeah. all there is to it. Like you can't start decorating one of the cars on the train. Like you're like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's not my scope of work. I got to keep shoveling coal in. And so after like four years of, of Q4, just like working my butt off during Christmas and stuff, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta change this. Like yeah. it was taking this emotional toll on me that I was like, this is not, and it was a professional toll that I could see that I was starting to flatline. So for me, it was a matter of like looking at where do I want to be and where am I and what ideas do I have um, and where could I take them? And so I started looking at Blade HQ and I'm like, I don't see a path up and, and to continue progressing. And so it was like, well, there's my answer. I got to move on. Um, so even though I loved like the company, I loved the job, like I had so many, many, many good experiences there like I stagnated and it was like, I gotta, I gotta keep learning. And so leaving gave me the opportunity. Basically the way I phrased it is to stay in the knife industry. I have to get out of the knife industry full time. Um, and that was, that was like a huge epiphany for me because I wanted to design a knife. I designed a poster and the poster kind of caused a little bit of friction within the company because it was a Ben product. It wasn't a blade HQ product. Oh, um, and, and it, and I totally get it. Like, yeah, you're working in, I, I didn't design it during work hours. I designed it after hours. And so, yeah, there was a little bit of like, I don't know, awkwardness there. Um, and I, I just realized like, if I want to keep designing my own things, I have to move out of this full-time position into a side hustle. So, yeah. So that was a long answer to your question. No, but. that was a really, I was so like invested in what you were saying, because <laughs> that's something that I think happens to everybody, including myself. Um, you know, I, I, after I got out of the, you know, music production and DJing game, uh, I went straight into an office job. You know, I was doing logistics, like making sure shipments got out and stuff like that on time for a, um, a diamond and jewelry company that made pieces for like Sam's Club Zales. So I was doing a lot of that like Christmas hours kind of stuff too. Where like, am I even getting overtime for this? I don't know. You know, it was that kind of kind of stuff. And um, you know, back to the uh shoving the coal into the furnace and stuff. I was doing a lot of that and I wanted to grow into the company, but I couldn't see it. And eventually I just got kind of um Luckily, I got an opportunity with uh, my brother who started a, uh, a CBD shop called Ila CBD. You know, shout out to Ila CBD. He was like, bro, starting your CBD shop, quit your job. That's where you're going to go. And it's, it's, it's much more, even though I work and talk to people all day, like it's much more relaxed. I get to like edit video. I get to like 
do like my reels there. I did the the Ben Banters like you know nice. banter video in the shop. That's where I did it. That's awesome. And um, you know, it's just become uh, a better like. There's a creative pursuit there. It's like even though like that job just pays my bills, and you know I use CBD products all the time, but um, it's it's mostly become like like a hub for me to just create content and. You know, and it's really important for a lot of people to know that. Like, I'm not saying quit your all jobs right now. Like, I'm not saying that, <laughs> but it is good to just think of these things as people, you know, stay stagnant and then they're depressed, like their yeah. whole lives working out of a cubicle, you know? Well, and I, I think that you, so like my, my ultimate long-term goal is, mm-hmm. is freedom. Like yes. if I want to coach my, if I want to coach my kid's soccer team mm-hmm. and practices at three, like, I don't want to be like, Hey boss, like. I got to go at three and they're like, mm-hmm. well, no, you got to finish this report <laughs> in the spreadsheet. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's how it works. Like you, the steadiness, you give up your time to have the steady paycheck and, and that's a good arrangement, but ultimately like I'd like to be able to have that freedom. And, and so this career move for me, moving out of blade HQ, um, it's freed up a lot of my time. I don't work crazy hours. I don't work a lot of weekends anymore. Um, and it's, for me, that's given me space, not just with my family, but also space to work on other ideas and projects. Yeah. And and I, I think that you can't put a price on that. In mm-hmm. fact, the switching from job to job was not a, a pay, pay raise for me. It was very, it was a, um, a level move. Like it was a, a, a lateral move for me. Yeah. But it was a sanity move. And it was like sure. an opportunity outside of work move that has been really beneficial for me. I, yeah. It's been a cool thing. I, I think too many people get comfortable and they don't want to jump mm-hmm. and stability keeps them there. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and stability is important, but mm-hmm. like, if you hate what you're doing, like why not look at it and strategically move toward changing it? Yes. I don't know. I just, I have this huge belief that like, it's, I forget what law of, of uh, physics it is, but an object in motion will stay in motion unless acted upon by an outside force. Mm-hmm. Um, but an object in motion is also much easier to change directions. So like if you have like a, a rolling tire, like it's much easier to start coaxing that rolling tire to a different direction mm-hmm. and like lifting the tire up off the ground and starting to get it rolling. So if yeah. you can get something rolling, like if you can get an idea moving in a direction, you're like, Hey, I want to change my job or I want to, I want to get fit or I want to change who I am, get moving. And then you can start to move whatever direction you want to. It's much easier to change directions. Yeah, because like, you know, I mean, it's like happiness, it should be the goal, I think, for most people. And I don't think it is, you know, like, I always say this, um, it is kind of cringy, but like, kindness is my religion, happiness is my currency, because I'm not, dude, I am so, like, I don't have... There have been plenty of times in my life where I made a crap load of money, and now is not one of those times. (laughs) But I am like, as happy as can be because I get to work a job where I'm kind of relaxed, but I'm, I'm pretty cool with it. And I get to do this YouTube thing, this po- the podcast and everything. And my fiance has her own pursuits. You know, she sells succulents. Shout out to happy go sucky. That is not a sexual thing. That's about plants. Follow that on Instagram. <laughs> I always say that. Um, but is it, you know, is it S- how do you, how do you spell the happy go I think it's S U C C I E happy go sucky. And she I dude, love it. beautiful pictures. She's killing it on Etsy. 
but we Succulents both have are, yeah they're, yeah they're we all both, rage, man. dude it's like she has more plants than i do knives and she's like selling them like consistently every week but you know we're gonna end on that that was very a very beautiful message i feel and um <laughs> dude thank you for doing this man it was an absolute pleasure to have you on um hey you know i i, I can't offer you a lot but if there's ever anything that you want to promote you want to hop on here and like spread it to my audience even though i'm pretty sure they follow you already um it'll get to the point dude. where you know it'll be a bigger thing but you're always welcome dude, to be on just, here, just, remember, really just invite invite me to your pool when you make it big man that's what i tell <laughs> all my friends i'm like hey just just invite me over i don't want your money i don't care yeah. i just want to swim yeah. in your pool okay <laughs> dude ray thank you for the opportunity i love like your vibe i love your flow and i, I love what you say about the, the happiness and the kindness like there's yeah. there's nothing better man so thanks for spreading the positivity out there it's it's awesome thanks for letting me be a part of it all right thank you so much man this is your boy in the nyc it's me ray and this is the edccp saying peace yo don't forget to hit that subscribe button and don't forget to hit that bell icon so we can squat up in the comments